1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. And good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise. Whether you are a regular listener or whether you're new to our show, if it's Sunday morning in America, then it's time for Money Wise. Money Wise is brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. So please join us now for a few short minutes, and we're going to share with you some important ideas for protecting your family and protecting your money. This is your time. I'm Ray Lance, and I'm happy to be with you. And this morning with me is Attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning to you and everyone. And thank you for being with me. You are a voice of reason and a voice of enlightenment. So we're always thrilled to have you on the radio show. And I'm always thrilled to be on the radio because you say nice things about me on the radio. (laughs) Is that the only time? (laughs) In case you haven't figured it out or heard it before, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've been married for a very long time. In fact, so long that we can scarcely remember how old we were. We were, what, 21 years old when we were married? Yes, very young. Gosh, that was a that was decades ago. Yep. But um, the bloom was still fun. on the rose, right? Yes. <laughs> well, anyway, happy to have you here. Um, attorney Tenny Lance practices law in Lance Law, Inc., along with Attorney Michael Coleman, and they're located at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. Their specialization is in the area of Nursing home protection, nursing home planning, estate planning, real estate, anything to do with protecting people's assets, basically, correct? That's correct. And what's your telephone number, Tenny, if somebody wants to make a no-obligation appointment to see you or to see Attorney Mike Coleman? Please call us at 508-998-8800. Well, you know, it's interesting because today we're going to be talking about some of the primary differences between men and women. And I'm not talking about physical differences. I'm talking about Thankfully. spending differences and things of that nature. But um, the difference between men and women, financially speaking, is our topic today. And specifically, why is planning much more important for women than it is for men? And that's our subject today. We haven't done this for at least a year. So we want to uh, renew this particular discussion. And Margaret Thatcher once said, Prime Minister of England, I usually make up my mind about a man in 10 seconds, and I rarely change it. I'm sure. (laughs) And mostly it was probably negative. (laughs) Yeah, she was the, what, the Iron Lady? The Iron Maiden. (laughs) I don't think it was the Iron Maiden. I thought it was the Iron Lady. Could be. (laughs) I'm not sure that she was ever a maiden, as a matter of fact. (laughs) True. Uh, Well, in any event... There are lots of differences, aren't there, Tenny, between men and women financially? Women, I think, in general, are a lot more concerned about security and financial security, and men are probably greater risk takers. Um, Women are probably better planners in general. But something very important that we have to talk about is the fact that women live longer than men, and therefore they're going to survive perhaps a male partner, male spouse, And they need to be concerned to make sure they're going to have enough financial resources to support them after the husband's gone, right? Right. I I think this situation is subject to change as uh, some more time goes by because men have tended to die of stress-related 
uh, factors like heart attacks and those kind with heart attacks and those kinds of of things. So um, women have survived longer. I think that will change as the workplace changes and has changed. Uh, women are working more and more, and even with family and uh, so forth. So the situation may not be the same a couple of decades from now, but right now there are a lot of women who are dependent upon men uh, who are working or who are retired and dependent upon their retirement income. And yet I, I will tell you that I know many, many relationships. I've seen hundreds and thousands of people over the years for financial services and legal services. And I will tell you that in many, many cases, it's the woman in the relationship who's making most of the financial decisions and doing most of the financial planning. Well, probably doing most of the financial saving. Um, Women tend to be frugal and thrifty and all those sorts of good things. Um, leaving more funds available than might be the case if it were the man doing all the spending. Mm. Well, I I guess we won't get into biology and genetic um, history and genetic background because we're not really qualified to do that anyway. But I think in general men tend to be uh, greater risk takers over the years and over time. Um, But it is a fact that Women have longer life expectancies. Women live on average about five years longer than men do. And that has a lot of implications. So, for example, women are much more likely to need long-term care and may have other health issues as they get older. You know, I don't know what your experience has been, Tenny, but any time I've ever gone through a nursing home, the population seems to me to be about 90% female. Absolutely. 90% women. Yes, Yes, it is a sad state of affairs about that, for sure. Well, what that means also is that if you have a longer life, and we are living longer today, and if women are living longer, you need to stretch your retirement dollars for that longer period of time. You need to make sure that you're not going to outlive your money. And um, there are generally also financial differences between what men and women have earned over the years. Women generally earn less and typically will have fewer savings, even though they tend to be thriftier. But um, most working women earn only, on average, about 81% of what men earn. Right, and that part has not changed and doesn't seem to be likely to change in the near future, Um, uh, as opposed to what I was talking about before with women and stress and uh, dying younger and so forth. The fact that women continue to have lower earning capacity in general than men is a really sad state of affairs, but a true one. Right. Well, the wage gap that we have in this country, which does still exist, also has an impact on Social Security because if you don't earn as much, you're not contributing as much into Social Security, and the check that you're going to receive is less than what it might be for a man. We're not going to go into a lot of detail on Social Security today. There are some things that you can do to uh, collect the check of the higher spouse, higher earning spouse. Um, But according to the U.S. Census Bureau statistics, women are much more likely than men to be living in poverty at some point during their lives, usually in their older years. And women um, do participate in the workforce, but typically because of child rearing and child raising, um, women only participate in the workforce about 75% of the time that men do. So these are 
facts of life. Uh, women tend to be the people who will stay at home taking care of children, perhaps while a husband might be at work because he's the higher breadwinner and all that sort of stuff. But well, it, it's also true, though, that um, most people don't contemplate the fact that when there are two people in a couple relationship and two sources of income, they plan on living to that level of income. And then if one of them goes away, particularly the male, who usually has higher income, that leaves only one source of income for the whole household to get by on. Yeah, that's an interesting little uh, factoid, if you will. If a couple is both retired and they're both collecting a Social Security check, for example, um, they they tend to continue to live on that level of income. When one spouse dies, uh, doesn't matter which one, one of those checks is going to go away. And so you're going to cut your Social Security income significantly. Uh, And probably a retirement income from the men's workplace may go away as well. Uh, It's what I speak about quite a lot when I do seminars on Medicaid and Medicaid planning because it's the same situation. If your husband should have to go into a nursing home, all of the husband's income is going to go to that nursing home, leaving you, the wife at home, with less than half, usually, of the income that you were used to having. Well, the important message, frankly, is that you have to do some planning. And part of that planning has to take into account for the fact that uh, in a husband and wife relationship, the husband is likely to pass away earlier and therefore the wife has to be really more concerned about how am I going to get by financially. So we're talking with Attorney Tenny Lance this morning, and um, I like Margaret Thatcher, Tenny. Did you like (laughs) Margaret Thatcher? I have a few (laughs) Margaret Thatcher quotations. I admired her. I'm not sure I liked her. That's probably a good, better description. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think she was a very likable person, but she certainly was a take-charge person. So she once said, It may be the cock that crows, but it's the hen that lays the eggs. (laughs) So she was very much a woman's rights kind of a lady, wasn't she? Ah, Absolutely. I've never known any show or or expose to talk about her husband, but he must have been a very mild man. Yeah, I would think so. So I have to give you one more uh, Margaret Thatcher quotation because I think it sort of sums her up entirely. Any woman who understands the problems of running a home will be nearer to understanding the problems of running a country. You like that? True. <laughs> yes. So she said, look, if you can run a home with all the details that that involves, then you can certainly run a country. Well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Not that anybody necessarily wants to do that. Well, just think about this, uh, ladies, if you're listening today. A husband is not a retirement plan, and more and more women – around the world rely upon husbands to deal with finances and to provide retirement incomes. Yeah, I think that's worth repeating that a husband is not a retirement plan because I don't think many people, many women think differently than that. Well, I see a lot of people right now, for example, uh, a lot of people who've worked in unions and when they retire, they have an annuity which they can convert into a real annuity and take it as a lump sum. And then they have a pension, and the pension is something that's going to pay out from the union. But I see a lot of people that make really difficult and sometimes wrong decisions about how to do that. 
So, for example, the husband may say, I want to get the largest amount of pension that I can get, and he takes it for his lifetime only. Well, that means when he's gone, the pension stops. There is right. no more pension. Right. It's, it's a very difficult thing when you're uh, about on the edge of retirement and you get all these things thrown at you. Uh, in particular, what do you want to do about this plan or that uh, particular financial investment? And so when you see the alternatives with the pension of getting more money for your lifetime or getting about two-thirds of that amount or less if you also have it uh, fulfill the lifetime of the spouse, it's very tempting to take the larger amount, um, and particularly when you're in that stressful time of uh, just about to retire. There's also a huge difference about when somebody should activate their Social Security account. Um, I'll mention just a couple of points really quickly. So, for example, if you reach full retirement age, which for most people is age 66, although it's creeping up towards 67 for people born more recently, once you reach that age, you can continue to earn uh, money on a part-time basis with a part-time job, and it won't impact your Social Security check. It won't take away from your Social Security check, but if you have not yet received, reached, excuse me, if you haven't reached full retirement age, age 66, we'll call it for today, and you start taking Social Security, let's say at age 64 or 65, and you continue to work, well, you're probably going to lose part of the dollars out of your Social Security check. You'll get it back later. It'll be made up later. But the problem is you've started your Social Security claim too early and you're always going to be at a lower level for the rest of your life. So you need to look at those things very carefully. And again, we're going to focus on talking directly to ladies today who are listening. But when you're making these kinds of decisions, you need to make them together. You need to make them as a couple if you're married, obviously. And um, you need to make sure that you're thinking not only about what is your income right now, but what's the income going to be if one of you should pass away. That's really the bottom line. And you need to do it thoughtfully and often with a financial advisor like you who can say to the person, all right, your retirement is coming up. These are your options with your pension. These are your options with Social Security. These are those with your other financial investments. And where do you think you're going to be a few years from now? There are, there are just lots of things that people need to think about at that point, and they should get involved with a, an advisor like you. Well, thank you. And um, at USA Wealth Group, we are located at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. You can call us at 508-998-8858. You can visit our website at usawealthgroup.com. We have a lot of good information we can share with you. You know, what we like to do basically is take a look at somebody's income sources, and then we like to look at their expenses, their budget. And then we say, all right, this is what you're earning right now while you're working. These are your expenses right now while you're working. What happens when you are fully retired and you no longer have the regular employment income coming in. And I like to tell people to plan that your expenses aren't going to change that much. Figure that maybe you can get by with about 80% of the expenses that you're paying right now. You might not need to have multiple cars, for example. You might not be using much in gasoline to commute to work. So, But generally, you ought to figure that you're going to spend at least 80% of what you're spending right now, even in retirement. 
And our job at USA Wealth Group is we want to make sure that your income is going to be equal to what your expenses are going to be. And if not, what are some of the solutions? What are some of the things that we can recommend to you to make sure that you will have enough income? You know, Tenny, in the end, it's really all about income. Do you have enough income that you can afford to retire? And will your income last as long as you do? And a very important feature that's been going on over the last decade or so is that companies have backed away pretty much from what's called defined benefit programs. Their pension uh, plan, yeah. Right. So that very few people now actually get pensions. They're expected to invest in uh, assets that will appreciate and provide a retirement income from those investments. And it's much, much harder for an individual to do that than it was when companies were putting aside 3% or so every week for someone's pension retirement program. Well, one of the specific things that I've done on many occasions is to sit down with somebody, look at their budget, look at their expenses, look at the income and say, we need to put aside more money into retirement accounts. If you're going to retire in three years or five years or something like that, what else could we do to pump more money into your retirement account right now? Could you afford right now, if you have a company 401k plan, for example, instead of putting in 5% of your pay, could you put in 10% of your pay every week? And will the plan allow you to do that? Yes. So there are many, many questions. We're happy to uh, get involved with you. It doesn't cost anything to come and sit down and uh, talk with us. We invite you to do that. You know, over time, we're talking about some of the differences between men and women in terms of economic issues. Um, some things are going to change over time. It's it's not for everybody to go to college, but the interesting statistic about college today is that more than 50% of all the students in college today are now women, and that never used to be the case. And more and more young adult women uh, than men now have college degrees, but we still have a gender um, pay gap. But over time, I think that will be um, changed a little bit. Right. That's exactly what I was talking about, that that the situation is going to be drastically different from those who are young now and those who are older now mm-hmm. and have grown up with the uh, lesser pay levels for women and the earlier uh, retirement, taking care of children, all those other sorts of things that women tended to do. Here's an interesting uh, statistic from uh, Pew Research, which is a famous research company in this country. For adults ages 50 and older, the divorce rate has doubled in the last 25 years. So we've been talking about being a widow or a widower. What happens if you go through a divorce? How do you support yourself at that point? So you need to think about all these things. You need to think about your money. You need to have a plan. You need to have a budget. And we're happy to help you with that. Um, Tenny, um, I know you do mostly estate planning. You do a lot of work in uh, Medicaid planning. What typically is a concern for uh, women especially? I mean, I would think they would be very concerned to make sure that the family has an estate plan in force. Well, um, unusually, that's not the case. Um, Women tend to not know what the estate planning um, concept is all about, and they don't tend to know what their own estate plan as a couple is or what it means to them when they are uh, perhaps the only remaining member of that couple. So uh, the 
greatest mistake that women tend to do about estate planning is not really knowing what the estate plan is, how it looks like, um, how it's set up, and so forth. Well, for example, let's say husband and wife have uh, accounts, and maybe they even have some separate accounts. And let's say all of a sudden the husband dies, and he's got bank accounts that were in just his name because that's the way they did things. What well, kind of problems exactly. does that create? Oh, it, it's a tremendous problem for the um, poor remaining wife who's already sad, upset, and emotional to have to go to a probate court to get appointed as the personal representative so you can access those monies. That takes time, and it takes uh, expense, and the poor woman may be, in the meanwhile, short of funds because she can't access her husband's accounts. So there's really a couple different things I think every woman should be thinking about. One is, do you have a proper estate plan in place? And if you don't, then you could be left with a lot of difficulty. You know, women in general are strong, and I think women in general can be stronger than men. Eleanor Roosevelt once said, a woman is like a teabag. You never know how strong she is until she gets in hot water. (laughs) I like that from Eleanor Roosevelt. She was terrific. Well, the thing is, you need to have an estate plan, uh, ladies and gentlemen, but especially ladies, because if all of a sudden something happens unexpectedly to your husband and you don't have a will, you don't have a trust, you don't have powers of attorney, if somebody becomes disabled, you could be in hot water, really. Well, and and my concern for a lot of women is not so much what happens when the man dies, but what happens if he goes into a nursing facility or otherwise becomes disabled, may have dementia or whatever. If you do not have the proper documents in place to be able to handle whatever resources his name is on, then you are uh, you are indeed in hot water. Uh, that's when you have to go to probate court to get a guardianship or a conservatorship. And those processes can certainly be avoided by just having two simple documents. And those documents are a durable power of attorney for property and a health care power of attorney. With those two things in place, you can avoid the probate court if your husband should become disabled. So women in particular need to be concerned about making sure that not only her but her husband and the family is protected with proper legal documents. Absolutely. Um, Those two documents are the most important to have. Certainly it's incredibly important also to know that you've got either a will or a trust, and our preference is always for a trust because it is uh, such a, an easier uh, process of administration if you have a trust. If somebody wants to sit down with you and, and ask some simple questions about how all that works, can they just call and make an appointment at your office? Yes. Our initial consultations related to general estate planning are free for an hour of consultation. Uh, if you were to come in to talk about Medicaid planning, that's a slightly different situation. But if you want to talk generally about estate planning, about trusts and wills and probate and all those other nasty-sounding words, then that's a free consultation. So get your estate planning order uh, as the first step. And then we're going to talk about some 
very important financial issues uh, right after the break. I want to mention something uh, just before we do break. There's an article fairly recently in the Boston Globe on how to avoid a very bad day at the Registry of Motor Vehicles. We're going to talk about that right after the break. And I wonder how many people are aware that now you have to have a real ID, R-E-A-L ID card, in addition to your driver's license. And in a couple of years from now, for example, you're not going to be able to go through a security line at an airport using a driver's license. I wonder how many people realize that. I want to give you some specific information about that. I, I was kind of shocked when I read this article, and I said, we have to tell people about this on the radio. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to come back in uh, just a moment, and we're going to talk about how to avoid a very bad day at the Registry of Motor Vehicles, and then we're going to pick up and talk about why women need to have more schooling and education and the subject of retirement planning and financial services. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back with Attorney Tenny Lance. Welcome back to MoneyWise, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, and, and good Sunday morning to you again. And welcome back to Attorney Tenny Lance, who's with us this morning. Good. Welcome to all of you. And MoneyWise is brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. You can find us at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. Give us a call at 508-998-8858. We have so much information to share with you. Uh, we have a great staff of people. Just before the break, we were talking about the Registry of Motor Vehicles and there's some new rules in place at the Registry of Motor, Motor Vehicles. There are new federal rules going into effect in terms of what you have to show at an airport. And if you think the lines are bad at the Registry of Motor Vehicles now, uh, they're going to get worse. And they're going to get worse probably about a year from now. They're going to be really bad because anybody who wants to travel out of the country, for example... Um, well, first of all, you're going to need a passport. But if you want to fly on an airplane starting approximately in October 2020, now that's a little ways off from now, then you're going to have to have more documentation. It's called a real ID. Massachusetts residents will not need a real ID until October 2020. You get this from the Registry of Motor Vehicles. But um, right now you're going to need it to uh, – Go through a TSA line, a security line. So I'm going to give you a little bit more information, but I also want to give you some really big tips for going to the Registry of Motor Vehicles. If you're going to use certain forms of identification in order to get a real ID, you could find yourself waiting in line a long time and then find out that they're going to turn you away because you gave them a birth certificate that was laminated. So they can't take any laminated document. Their scanners won't scan those documents. So they can uh, registry motor vehicles cannot accept any laminated documents because their computer hardware scanners cannot scan them. So make sure any document you need to bring for identification is not laminated. Now, if you happen to be a AAA member, uh, which I have been for, I think, over 40 years, you can go to a AAA office, and you need to make sure that that particular office will do it, but you can get license and registration transactions at some of these locations. You need to check it out, and you need to get in touch with AAA. Uh, their phone lines have been a little bit busy lately, but I know the one in Fairhaven can be done. Uh, I renewed my driver's license at the AAA office in Fairhaven, for example. 
But um, you can check for times. You can go online. You can go into www.mass.gov slash rmv dash services at AAA. You're never going to remember all that. But <laughs> You're not going to remember no, that. Nobody will remember all that. <laughs> but just go into AAA and find out which AAA offices you might be able to use. So uh, a couple of tips. Um, don't go to a customer service center, register your motor vehicles on, on a Friday or on a Monday or on the day after a holiday. It doesn't leave you a lot of days, does it? <laughs> <laughs> this is right out of the Boston Globe. Um, avoid going to a customer service center on the last few days of the month because people are trying to do last-minute things and everybody's rushing. So you need to sort of plan your time. Um, wait a little while longer to get one of these real ID cards if you want one. Now, you can still travel at an airport if you have a U.S. passport. So I think the rule right now you ought to be thinking about is if you have a passport and you're flying, you may want to carry your passport with you. Um, you can use your regular driver's license at an airport up through and including October 2020 if you are a Massachusetts resident. So you can still use your driver's license as an ID card uh, unless you're going out of the country and then you have to have a passport, obviously. But um, if you are planning to use like a W-2 form to prove your social security number in order to qualify for this real ID, you have to make sure it has your entire social security number on it. So starting in October 2020, Massachusetts residents will need a real ID card in order to go through airport security. And that seems like it's a long time away, but it's only two years, and two years go by very quickly when you put off such unpleasant things as visits to the registry. Right. So we have what we call a standard ID, which is our driver's licenses, versus a real ID, and you need to determine... Um, which service center will do which document because not every service center will do necessarily a real ID. So you've got to do some checking on this, ladies and gentlemen. And I'd be happy to provide a copy of this article. Um, if anybody would like a copy, give us a call at 508-998-8858. I thought this article was so important, I made a copy and gave it to everybody in the office and said, Start to get your real ID cards uh, soon because you're going to need them eventually. In October 2020, you'll have to have it. So um, in any event, just take a look at that and be happy to provide more information. Um, real ID customers, if you want to get one of these cards, you have to visit a customer service center, which are only open Monday to Friday. And... Um, you can also check with AAA offices because I believe they're offering them as well. And what happens if you change your name? What happens if you get married? Boy, that's another conundrum, isn't it, Tenny? Because oh, yes. if the name on your current credentials is different than on your birth certificate, you have to have documentation to prove your name change, like a marriage certificate. So, for example, if you're going to get a real ID card, uh, the most common issue is if you have a marriage and you've changed your name, you're going to need to get a marriage certificate, but don't not from a religious ceremony. You're going to have to get it from a, a city or a town and don't have it laminated. 
<laughs> and don't go on Mondays or Fridays or the day after a holiday. And keep track of that document once you find it. I mean, I remember when I wanted to have my Social Security card use the name that I use, which is F10 E Lance. And I went to Social Security to try to get them to change it from Florence T to F10 E. Well, I had to go to the New Bedford City Hall and get a marriage certificate, which proved that I, as Florence Tenney Bennett, originally, are now uh, is now uh, a person named F. Tenney Lance. I mean, it, it, it's a real complicated thing sometimes, and I don't know where that marriage certificate is now. <laughs> no, or who cares? <laughs> we'll assume it was valid at the time. <laughs> But uh, name change is an issue. To get a real ID card, you have to have two forms of uh, proof of residency, which could be a utility bill. It could be a bank statement. Um, Then you're going to have to show your Social Security number. And again, if you have a laminated Social Security card, you're going to have to get a new Social Security card, possibly at the Social Security office. Well, anyway, if you just want to return your license, you don't have to worry about any of that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or if you want to return your license plate, you don't have to worry about it. So, Tenny, women don't have enough education in the area of retirement planning, do they? No, there's an interesting article I've been looking at called uh, The Ten Greatest Mistakes That Women Make With Regard to Estate Planning. And number one on that is what exactly is the estate plan and that you have and what comprises it? What does it do with the uh, assets and other things after somebody is gone. So, yes, people need education in that field, and they need to, more importantly, know what relates specifically to them. And there was a research article done recently that said that when it comes to retirement planning, women have, do have a few advantages over men. Uh, because women tend to be less confident as investors, they're more likely to do more research and ask more questions, which means they won't make as many as impulsive decisions as a man might. Women tend to be more patient than men. Are you more patient? Oh, gosh. Shall we tell the story about no. what happened to you when you were in school once? No. <laughs> I think it's a wonderful story. The teacher made you write, I think, 500 times on a blackboard? Yes, 500 times. Patience is a virtue which I lack, and I will try very hard to attain. You even remember the words. I remember them precisely, (laughs) and for good reason. Women are like elephants. They have really good memories, and sometimes (laughs) it comes back to haunt you. um, How many times have I reminded you of that (laughs) situation? Well, I mean, men tend to be more impulsive. Um, make more impulsive decisions. Women tend to be more disciplined when it comes to retirement savings. So we're happy to show you how to get that even better. But when you look in that retirement, you have to think about what's your normal life expectancy? How long do you expect to live? What are your health care costs going to be in retirement? A lot of people don't think about health care costs. At 65, obviously, you start Medicare and make sure you sign up. And then you're looking for a Medicare supplement plan but long-term care costs, Social Security, you know, we talked earlier, what, does, what do you do if you don't have enough assets or you're concerned that, gee, if my husband dies before I do, we don't have a lot in savings and I'm going to have a hard time living. Well, if you're not terribly old, you might want to look into some life insurance. We can talk to you about that. 
And one basic thing I was listening to recently on uh, television, and it's something that we do in our office at USA Wealth Group, do you have enough money to bury the other person? It sounds a little gruesome, but a lot of people don't. We can help you with a funeral and burial plan, for example. They're not that expensive to do. Um, I want to give you a brief quotation from Oprah Winfrey. She's another person that I admire a lot. And I put her in the same category as Margaret Thatcher. I don't necessarily <laughs> like her, but I really admire her and respect what she's done. So Oprah Winfrey once said, surround yourself with only people who are going to lift you higher. Well, that's a good thought. I thought that was a very good thought. Um, so why aren't women saving as much money as they should be, I wonder? Well, women save for a shorter period of time because they're typically not in the workforce as long as a man is. We said earlier that women are in the workforce only about 75% of the time that a man is. Women tend to save smaller amounts each month. Women take fewer risks with investments. And we like to do things in our office that don't involve risk. Uh, we do a lot of very conservative investing uh, with indexed products, for example, where you can't lose principal, where they're principal protected. But I think women and men need to recognize their differences. And maybe women need to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of motivating a husband to take some action, to get started with something, right? Well, I was just thinking that's a very good piece of advice because women can uh, can pester a man to make sure that he is not playing in the stock market or doing other kinds of interesting and, and very risky investments with their future uh, assets. So a woman can say, we really need to sit down and talk with somebody like Ray Lance, who can tell us how to get out of risky investments and into those kinds of investments that are going to uh, be guaranteed to be there when we need them. And basically, you have to make some changes in your life. If you're doing the same thing every single week, um, maybe you need to think about doing some things uh, different. Susie Orman, that we uh, also subscribe to, said, just because you can afford it doesn't mean you should buy it. So a lot of times people will go out and spend money foolishly. Uh, maybe you think maybe you need to think differently about that. Martha Stewart once said, "When you're through changing, you're through." <laughs> right. <laughs> I like change, and a lot of people do not. <laughs> well, but change is necessary. And if you if you're stuck in the same old rut, if you're not saving money, if you don't have a plan, if you're putting off doing an estate plan. You need to make some changes in your life. You need to do some of these things, don't you? So many people that I run into, I just uh, met up with someone yesterday at a seminar that we were giving. Um, the fellow said, you know, I haven't ever done an estate plan, and he was not a young man. Um, and I'll see you in September because I want to enjoy my summer. And I thought, jeepers, that's just hope one more reason to put it off. Hope you make it, fella. I know. <laughs> Well, here's some things that women can teach men about investing, whether it's the husband or the wife who might be participating in a 401k plan. Capitalize on a 401k plan. When it comes to participation rates, women beat men. Women are much more likely to put money aside for retirement in a 401k plan or to put a larger amount or a higher percentage. So 
Um, I've seen people who are planning to retire in only two years and hadn't put a lot aside. And I said, really, tighten your belt. And for the next two years, put away the maximum amount you can possibly put away in your 401k. And you're going to thank me later that, you know, you follow this advice. So, but the better advice, obviously, is to start early and do it regular, regular, regular. I can tell you so many stories of people that I've seen that literally have had modest occupations. I've had people working for, um, you know, wonderful professions and great jobs, but, you know, doing teaching, working for a utility company, and they just regularly saved every single week and put aside more, and when they could get by on that, they put aside a little bit more. And I'm talking people who at age 60 to 62 had over $2 million in assets because they just did it regularly and steadily, and they started at an earlier age. So anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. you got to start early, and you need to get some good advice from Attorney Tenny Lance and from uh, our office. And what's that rule of doubling your money that you talk about often? Well, it's called the Rule of 72. Uh, Actually, there's controversy about whether um, Einstein actually invented this or he simply – you know, capitalized on it, but he wrote it basically. And basically it says that if you're earning roughly 7% interest, your money's going to double in about 10 years. Um, Just think about that. If you start a job at 21, 22, after you get out of college and you start saving then, when you're in your 30s, you could double your money. It's amazing. Well, my uncle is a good example. Um, He's deceased. He actually was on this radio show about five years ago. And uh, he was a thrifty, thrifty, saving kind of a guy. And we put some money when his wife died. We put um, part of the money into uh, an indexed annuity, and we put part of the money into a fixed annuity. And in 10 years, 11 years, both of those accounts had doubled. So his average return was over 7% in order to double um, so it can be done. It can absolutely be done. It can be done safely and securely. You know, the other thing that women tend to do that men don't is they live below their means, and they'll tend to be more frugal. And um, even though they earn less, they manage to save at a much higher rate. You have to have some patience when it comes to investment. <laughs> don't laugh. Back to that word. <laughs> no. I'm talking about investment. I'm not talking about – You're see, right. See, my impatience is the fact that I like to get things done. And I don't remember what triggered that event when I was probably in the fifth grade. (laughs) I don't know, but it didn't really make much impact. (laughs) No, it's my personality. My personality is that I'm impatient with life, I guess I I would say. You know, I want to do things. I want to help people do things. We have a relatively new employee in our office. And she was scared to death of you when she first came in because you're always demanding things of people. Get me this. Put this there. I always have manners. I always say please. I just function at a very high pace. Yes, you do. High energy level, and I want to get things done. Yes, you do. And I always think that if I work faster, I can get things done faster. (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes that's a big All mistake. Right, let's not talk about me anymore. Let's talk about you for a change, Tenny. No. L- little <laughs> Tenny has a, a, a nickname sometimes we used to call Little Miss Late. Oh, if Tenny doesn't like to be on time for things. 
No, but there's always so much to do. If you just do one more thing, you can still squeeze that in and still get there on time. That's my attitude. I know. (laughs) It's the bane of my existence. Oh, dear. Well, we all have our little things, don't we? Yes. Um, I want to give, before we run out of total time, I want to give a tax tip because I like to give a tax tip every week. There's so many interesting things we can learn on the subject of taxes. And I subscribe to a number of different newsletters. I go to all the tax conferences. So here's a question that people ask a lot. How long should I keep my individual tax returns? Well, the answer is you should keep your tax returns for at least three years. I've had people who have had 10 years, 15 years worth of tax returns. You don't have to keep them that long. But as a general rule, that's how long the IRS has to be able to question items on your return and to bill you for any additional tax, which is three years. Now, there are some variations on this. So three years is the general rule, but three years is also the time frame that you might need to file an amended tax return and get a refund. So if you think that something was done incorrectly, you might be entitled to a refund. Within three years, you can go back and still file an amended tax return. Now, if you haven't put all of your income down, if you've understated your income by 25%, for example, now the IRS can go back six years and take a look at your returns. So you better have returns for six years. And you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to go back to our topic for today and read some of these mistakes before we run out of time. Yeah, we still have a little bit more time. I just want to say one more thing on on the time for keeping tax returns. If you have engaged in tax fraud, there's no time limit. IRS can go back forever for tax fraud. Um, And state returns, by the way, state tax returns may have to be retained a little longer. So I tell people generally plan for six years to keep your tax returns just in case. All right. That's my tax tips. All right. The, um, this article, I think, is really interesting, and this is aimed directly at the women in the audience to have them think about what all of these mistakes are that are enumerated. Number one, having no idea what your estate plan looks like. Number two, realizing late the need to protect your assets. Number three, thinking you don't need a will. Number four, assuming you're too young for disability insurance. Number five, leaving advanced directives, which are things like living wills, undone. Number six, delaying creating a power of attorney. Number seven, neglecting to transfer real estate titles after a divorce. Oh, I've had a situation like that. What a mess. Number eight, Misunderstanding probate versus non-probate assets. Number nine, assuming your surviving spouse will receive everything and skip probate. And number 10, forgetting to update your estate plan. So if any of those factors apply to you, please get in touch with our office or get in touch with Ray if you're looking for financial advice um, those are very important things to keep in mind, particularly for the women in our audience. Well, one of the things we like to say all the time is that our business is really very simple. It's all about how to protect your family and how to protect your money. And we're very good at what we do, and I'm tooting my own horn to say this, but um, 
between Tenny and I and Mike and, and Peter Lance and our staff, we have a lot of great experience. And it's sort of like the farmer's insurance ad. We insure it all because we've seen it all. <laughs> you know? I mean, but we have. We've seen so many family situations. And here's, here's a small piece of advice. If you think your family is messed up and screwed up, don't worry. They probably are, but so is everybody else's family. Everyone has an odd family. Because I like to say there's no such thing as a normal family, right? Right. I mean, some are worse than others, but <laughs> uh, – and I guess you've seen a few interesting cases in your life. But bad, we won't, we won't bad, go into that. Ones. So we have lots and lots of good estate planning tips for women especially. We've got some great financial planning ad- ad- advice. Uh, to share with you, uh, make an appointment to come to see us. If protecting your family and protecting your future and your retirement is important, you have to take some action. You have to do something. I have a couple of quotations I'd like to sort of close with today. And this is not political. These are just people that I've admired and have some interesting quotes. Every moment wasted looking back keeps us from moving forward. Hillary Clinton. Yes, she's a bright lady. Yep. And uh, just lots and lots of good information like that. Billie Jean King, uh, world-famous tennis player. A champion is afraid of losing. Everyone else is afraid of winning. Hmm. Just lots of good quotes from powerful, accomplished women. And um, we'd like to basically just tell you folks that in our own family – We've done things to protect our family. Uh, you should too. And if this is a concern for you, take some action. Give Tenny a call at 508-998-8800 or call USA Wealth Group at 508-998-8858. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again next week. <music> 